Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Once I was exposed to what you can do and the personal experience that you can create online leveraging tech, I was like, this is like my field. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, I'm Dr. Isi Idemudia. I am the best-selling author of Out of Africa and Into the Cloud. We're in to inspire the next generation of female coders. I am also an AWS solutions architect at Accenture. I have been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about six months now, and it's been really mind-blowing just to see other women walking the talk, you know? inspiring, seeing women doing what I do every day. It's just like, whoa, super amazing. You can connect with me on Instagram, issyy.i. Uh, you could also email me at contact at ecai.girl. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. A little personal spot for you as a melting into my couch on this Sunday night. I don't know what day of the week you are listening to this episode, but I appreciate that you are listening. I mean, listen, there wouldn't be a podcast if you weren't listening. No, honestly, like I'm so connected to the community. I'm probably one of those people that even if no one was listening, I would still just be doing my best to create something meaningful in this world. I'm so proud of it. There's this story, you've probably heard it, that, you know, a lot of people who are really successful at that point, they're retired or, or they've garnered a lot of wealth or whatever it may be, they feel really lost and empty. And a lot of times it's because they're lacking a sense of purpose. And I make the joke a lot, like I found purpose first, but I do think it's so valuable. It's part of the big picture of making sure that you are not only attaining the material things that we want to attain in the journey of being a professional, 
but really making sure that we're also attaining that sense of purpose we have, because I think eventually it catches up with us. And if we don't have that sense of purpose, no matter what material items we may have attained, like we just feel lost. So I'm always feeling really grateful that I have a strong sense of purpose with podcasting, with my community work, with leading in such a vulnerable way, with being really open with everyone I talk to. It's cool. Yeah, I was going to share something else, but I think I'll save that for another personal spot on another day. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest here from Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, it's free. Happy to be here. Amy, I'm so excited to have you. So let's get into it. First, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I work for MakerPad, a no-code educational platform and community. And I had content there creating tutorials and working with no-code partners in the no-code space. And no-code is such a viral, engaged community. And I bet a lot of people listening don't even know what the no-code movement is about. Can you tell us a little bit about no-code? There's a lot of debate on what no code is and is not. It's not anti-code, but basically we're just trying to get people a way to build side projects, launch businesses, or automate tasks at work without writing code, without having to hire an engineer to execute those ideas and to empower them to create versus get bogged down in the logistics of what you need to build a business. No code is literally the fastest way to build What technology offers us now to be able to build even when we don't know how to build, thanks to the no-code community, is amazing. Tell us more about your role and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so um, similar to what you were saying, I didn't really know what I was doing was no-code until I found the community on Twitter. I just thought I was building a mobile app without writing any code or hiring an engineer. And then it turns out that there was a community for that called no-code. So that's how I got into MakerPad. And so now I do tutorials going through different platforms on how you can launch your website, build a mobile app, do an automation that you think that you need an engineer to do, but you don't. And so I create tutorials around that content. I'm in our community looking at what they're hoping to create. I try and create content around that. I'm also working with the technologies in this space and figuring out how to highlight the functionalities they offer, the use cases they offer, and basically just provide context to like the no-code education space. <laughs> I want to jump back into when you became passionate about technology, but first, how did you discover the no-code world? What was your involvement in tech once you had started your career then you transitioned to no code or did your tech journey professionally start in no code? I was always working in tech. I never was doing tech in a coding capacity, but every job I had in a technology company, I tended to be the person that people go to to figure out how to use the tools that that company was using. So, you know, Salesforce, like I don't understand how you create reports in Salesforce. I don't know how you create dashboards in Salesforce. Like, so I ended up doing trainings for teams, even though that wasn't really my job. And so I always had this like underlying thread throughout my career of teaching people how to use tech. And then it wasn't until I was just trying to find something new that I discovered no code and realize I can merge my passion for technology with my 
experience with teaching people how to use it. And I don't code. I, I dabble like with some like very light code. They, they might call it low code. Low code. <laughs> um, it's like diet cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got into the no code space just because I like tinkering and like piecing together technologies and you can do a lot. I don't think people realize how many technologies like integrate and what you can like the power of those when you link them together. Like Zapier is pretty much like the glue of the no code space, I feel like. And I feel like that's like the beginner to like the no code journey is like, I just automated this thing that like is like a recurring task, a manual task that I do all the time. To me, that was just like second nature. I was working as a Salesforce administrator for a company and I didn't know how to code, but I was like figuring out how to use their like workflow automations. I don't know, just that instilled the mindset of like, how do I do this without coding? (laughs) And just because I don't want to speak over anyone's head and I think workflow automations are vital, essential. Like if I had to give myself advice when I first started my career, it'd be focus on workflows. So I would just like to like dive into that for a second. What does workflow automation mean and why should we all as business people take that really seriously and make sure we understand what resources we have available to enhance our workflows? Yeah. So I think workflow automation begins with asking yourself, what is something I do you know, on a regular basis, every day, once a week to keep my business running? And is it repetitive? It's one thing if it's customized and you have to be doing it on a manual basis. But if you are, let's say, setting up an event once a week and you're emailing your participants a Zoom replay of that event, you can automate that. And so that's what I would call an automated workflow is that you are taking maybe those 30 minutes that you use every week to create an event, email your event registrants and send them an email with an auto replay. You're taking that time back and putting that back into your business in a different way. So it's all about finding those little processes that you can streamline so that you can focus on scaling your business really. Thank you so much. And one of the reasons I was really excited to interview you is not just your involvement in the tech world. It's actually what a community champion you are. I think that comes with a really special heart. (laughs) And so (laughs) what does being a community leader mean to you in a way that everybody listening could walk away and apply it to what we're doing? I learned a lot. We just did a community program at MakerPad where we talked to some of the top community managers in the tech industry. And so like Cortland Allen of Indie Hackers talks a lot about when you join a community, you need to care about the problems that they have and you need to want to show up every day and answer those questions and solve those problems for them. And for me, I love connecting people with information and I'm passionate about technology. So when I see someone having an issue that's really just a tech res- like constraint or a lack of knowledge and what technology can do for them, and that's the only thing holding them back from pursuing their dream, like I like drop everything and want to try and solve that or figure out the best solution or the next, you know, version 1.0 of that. And I think that's like the key to being a community, what's the word? Uh, Champion leader. Cheerleader. cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) A community cheerleader is that you, you want to be passionate about like what people are struggling with and see them succeed. And so this is something that like, I see all the time, it's just a lot of people are overwhelmed with the techscape and what you can do with it. And especially, you know, the digital world, a lot of people don't keep up with like what you can do and what's coming out. And so if I can help someone 
launch that business or create extra income just by showing them these two tools or these three tools, that's like a win in my book. And so that's a motivator for me. And it just happens to be beneficial to the person in our community. And MakerPad is just really an important resource to know about. How do we get involved in MakerPad? How do we have MakerPad be our ally? Yeah, so basically we're always listening to what's going on in the no-code community, but we now are starting challenges on a like monthly basis, and that's been awesome. We collaborate with tools like Bubble or Adalo or Super, Notion, you name it. Like we'll we'll partner with like the top no-code tools in the space, and it's a great way to stretch yourself to learn how to build something, but also it's a great community building exercise because you have everyone working towards like a common goal. So that's one way you can get involved. We have workshops almost twice a week and sometimes they're for members only, but for the most part, they're open to the public. So that's a great opportunity. And then you can always sign up for free in the MakerPad community and, and poke around. And if you decide it's for you, you can sign up for a membership. And I usually ask this question definitely toward the end, but I'm going to ask it now since you brought it up. You brought up three great tools. I usually ask, what's your favorite website, hardware, app? And you just brought up three. So in addition to those three, I'd love for you to break down what those three are because I don't want to make assumptions that we all know. I mean, I love my notion, but I don't want to make assumptions everybody else knows. Additionally, what is your favorite one? So kick it off with what's your favorite tool, app, website you can't live without? Obviously, other than MakerPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I personally have like my own web presence on Squarespace and that's how I kind of got started in the technology sphere of like freelancing with uh, no code tools with Squarespace. So I feel like I have to call them out. <laughs> and Squarespace is a website builder. Just in yeah. case. Okay. Sorry. I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Okay. No, so no, Squarespace it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> is a website builder. I love them. Webflow is awesome. It's uh, You can do so much. Uh, there's a lot of people doing some really cool prototypes of like video games and stuff in Webflow. And it's just kind of like the sky's the limit with that platform. But then you can get as simple as starting a website on Notion. So we just did a deep dive on how you can set up a membership-based uh, community using Notion, which is really just a doc app, really. You wouldn't think of it as being like the home page of your website. But if you overlay that with this tool called Super, um, it kind of creates like a website front, like windowscape to your Notion doc. And then you can integrate with things like Circle, which is a community platform, and Member Space, which is a way to gate your content and charge people for access to content. So you can spend like a few hundred dollars a year and have a website and a community and paid memberships. And these so, are all I mean, sites, you guys, I know about all these sites and they're all incredible resources. I actually had the opportunity to talk to the founder of Circle on a phone call. And some of you that are like super, super into the world of tools like I am, know all these sites already. You're like, yeah, been there, done that, it's free. But then other of you, it's not crazy complicated. Like just go to the sites and they, think of it like a puzzle and you're just literally putting the pieces together so that they could work together to create the big picture. Yeah. And honestly, that's what it is. So I don't have like my top favorite no code or platforms or tools or tech because it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. So I always view it as like start off with what you want to build and like what are the functionalities that you need? Like, do you need memberships? Do you need a community? Do you need checkout? And then look at the tools that are the best for those and then see how they integrate. And that's how you kind of come up with like your 
world of tech for your company. And so it's, I don't think it's, you know, one size fits all. Like if, if one tool is like the hot tool of the moment, that's great, but you really need to think about how it can achieve like your day one dream for your business. And will it still serve your business in, you know, three months and six months and a year, et cetera. And I feel like no code makes it possible to take action fast rather than thinking, oh, I have to wait till I could afford to hire a developer, et cetera. But I want to pivot back into what this podcast is about, and it's about you. So when did you first fall in love with technology? Yeah, so I have always been like in love with technology. It started with uh, like AOL profiles and customizing those and Neopets and Tamagotchis, like that's like the beginning stages of my like love affair with technology. But then it kind of morphed into like discovering, like I've worked in advertising operations. And so um, how you track and uh, monitor like ad campaigns online. So that kind of kicked off my world of tech and looking into like the analytical side of tech. And from there, I jumped into a tech company and we started off selling social media login widgets. And then that morphed into identity management, which is kind of like, if you sign in with your Facebook profile to Nike, Nike gets access to some of your information and can send you customized information based off your interests, your likes, et cetera. So once I was exposed to what you can do and the personal experience that you can create online leveraging tech, I was like, this is like my field. I love tech and I love the experiences you can create. I've just always been like a tinker with technology and I just kind of have followed the breadcrumbs to like what I'm doing now. <laughs> so it's hard to trace it back to like one moment, one big bang type of thing. I feel like if I had a moment, I don't think I was cognizant of it in the moment, but looking back, I feel like when my dad encouraged me to play video games, well, two moments, my dad encouraging me to play video games and my dad having a home office and me playing on his computer in all the chat rooms and stuff because that just exposed me to like computer world. My parents would come in and say, this is so funny. They'd say, you know what happens to little girls who play on daddy's computers? <laughs> like if you stay too long, the office police are going to come and take daddy away. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe I even remember that. But I feel like those are the, like, I didn't know then, right, that I was becoming passionate about this world. But those were definitely moments that shifted, catapulted me in a certain direction, you know? Video games and office computers. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually did post on Twitter, like, a few months ago, because my mom uploaded all of our home videos onto digital. And so I was like revisiting some of the birthdays. And within the same birthday party, I opened like a princess wand. And then like five minutes later, I opened like an N64. And then like my face in both those videos are like, oh my God, like this is so cool. And it was like very abnormal at the time to be a girl getting like a Nintendo 64. And everyone thought like that's something my brother should be like getting as a gift or playing with or something. But like that was like, what I wanted. I've been the one like driving the tech. I'm always the one asking my friends if they've heard about this new app or have they joined this new like clubhouse. 
have you heard about Clubhouse type of thing? Um, I know. Yeah. It's crazy that I became the face of Clubhouse. That's insane. I know. <laughs> I kept getting alerts on my watch and was like, wow, she's really active on Clubhouse. And then I'm like, wait, that's the icon. <laughs> I'm like, crap. Funny, my girlfriend just said that too. She's like, I get so confused. <laughs> okay. And I always love to ask, what's one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? I would say the biggest obstacle was getting stuck. I feel like I got stuck in my career. I got comfortable and I wasn't really sure like what I wanted to do. I felt a little uninspired. And so I just, I got complacent and I started thinking through like, what do I want? What are the communities I want to be a part of? Who are the people I want to be friends with? Who are the people that I want to network with? And so I switched from just being complacent with like, okay, I'm in this job. It pays well. Like I'm good at it, but it's not like challenging me. It's not stretching me. I'm not excited for Monday. I'm thrilled for Saturday. So I started like getting on Twitter more actually. And like finding the people that like I looked up to, people I was inspired by, and started trying to actively engage with them. And that's actually how I got to MakerPad is Ben Tossel, who's the founder of MakerPad, tweeted that they were looking for people to do tutorials. And I was like, hey, I can do that. And he was like, hey, um, message me, like we'll do a trial run. And so I did that and now I'm at MakerPad. (laughs) So I think the thing that got me out of the rut was just putting myself out there and being more purposeful of like who I wanted to be working with and the realms I want to be working in. And what advice would you say is the best advice that you've gotten for your career? I would say I, I have a pretty diverse background. I feel like the average person, the average headhunter looking at my resume would be like, I don't really know like what she's into or about, but my resume reflects like my interest and people motivating me to raise my hand and say like, I'll do that. I want to do that. I'm interested in that. And I think that was ultimately, even though it's made it challenging to pivot because when you only have a piece of paper to send someone, they don't understand what I've been doing, but for me, I've raised my hand. I've gotten a ton of experience in different teams and different companies. And I think that has been the best advice is just to be interested. And if something's not working, like volunteer to make it work. Because as a result, I have like such a crazy, weird, like mishmash of like experience to offer up to our community now at MakerPad. I've been a paralegal, I've worked in sales, I've been a manager. I've done ad operations. I've been a fashion stylist, like like you name it, I might've done it, but it's really allowed me to connect with people in so many different ways. And I think that ultimately was beneficial advice to raise your hand and show up for things that interest you. Amazing. How can people connect with you? On Twitter, my username is at Amy Delisa, A-M-I-E-D-E-L-I-S-A. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. Amy, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Amy Pollack, head of content at MakerPad the number one no-code educational community and learning platform based out of Phoenix, Arizona. You're listening to Women in Tech. 
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.